Welcome to Music Unsubscribed. I'm Peter. I'm Andrew. I'm Marissa. Welcome to episode three of Music Unsubscribed. It's March, springtime. Excited to bring you another collection of things we've done this month. And beyond that, so much to talk about. We're going to start with some music news, what we've been listening to Mm -hmm. since we last spoke to you. We're also going to get into some concerts that we saw. You both saw a very, very cool uh, concert. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. A little jealous. And then Marissa and I, as we mentioned in the last podcast, went to Nashville. And we have a lot to discuss. So about many what things. What we did there as it relates to our $10 things. But mm-hmm. before we break, quickly, let's give a quick overview of what we did for $10 this month. I will start since I will do the first segment. I did two different things. I spent $5 at a Nashville bar called Losers with an artist named Dallas Hendricks, who I'll get into. And then at the recommendation of Marissa's $10 uh, person, <laughs> I went to a very cool place. We went to a very cool place mm-hmm. called The Five Spot. And saw some great bands there. For mine, I sat down with Jesse Gillenwalters of Basic Printer. Our first interview. Our first interview. Yeah, we. Um, it was a good time. And yeah. I bought two records, and I'll get into some details on those records and my feelings on uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which Ooh. is happening this Friday. So, so, so you didn't see a show in Brooklyn. I did not see a show in Brooklyn. Oh, I was so no. tempted. I was so tempted to just say, like, oh, yeah, I saw another show in Brooklyn, but I did not, so. <laughs> nice. Uh, but keep listening. This is Music Unsubscribe. Let's talk about what we've been listening to this month. Andrew, I have listened start. to only one thing this month. <laughs> That's it? There is only one album that has mattered this month, and that is Hozier's new album, Wasteland Baby. Woo! That's true. It's, it's a very good album. Off, out of Columbia Records, that is a great Great album. It oh was, my god. It was a long time coming, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. been like four years since he's put out an album. <sighs> the, the wait it's it's was been just... a minute. The oh, record was produced by a uh by a, a producer who's who worked on another artist that I love, Little Florence Green. The Machine. Little Green Cars as well. Pour we one out for Little Green. I'm gonna Cars. pour one out for those of you know what I, oh, I know I said I was going to talk about Hozier, but I need. To, but we're going to skip Hozier for a moment. Um, we're going to dedicate Green this Co- episode to Little Green Cars. <laughs> Little Green Cars is a band that I love and have loved for the last five, six years. Mm-hmm. They are a small be- quintet from Ireland, from Dublin. Uh, they have two albums, and they are both amazing. And uh, their first album, Absolute Zero is one of my favorite records of all time. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of albums. There are a lot that are important to me. This is probably one of the top three most important albums to me. And in a moment I had forgotten all the things that you had said to me I think just like a child you try Yeah, um, no, I was... Yeah. It was bad. It was bad. But anyway, uh, what have you guys been listening to? Andrew Bird actually came out with a new album last week. The title, My Finest Work Yet. <laughs> and although I have not listened to the entire discography in a bit, and and cannot vouch for the fact if it is or is not his finest work yet, the first song on the album I meet, I, is, is, is Sisyphus, but I put it on and I was like... Um, did Father John Misty come out with a new album, or did I miss something? 
a little reminiscent of like the Flea Fox's Father John Missy sound, which isn't completely too far off base for Andrew no, Bird, but um, just usually less whistling. Right, there is whistling on this album. Okay. Do not fret for your, you know, if there's any uh, Andrew Bird enthusiasts who haven't listened to the album by now, which you would have, but whatever. Um, but um, there's there's whistling and and there's violin plucking and it's a fun time. So um, I've been listening to it on repeat for the last few days. So I would recommend. Tame Impala. The one. The single. new song. <laughs> the one song. Stop right there. Okay. <laughs> let, let me let me explain. When I listen to Currents. That's just that's an unmistakable Kevin Parker sound now. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. that that just it, it's overly processed, but at the same time, it's just it's it's lovingly done mm-hmm. the way <laughs> he does. Lovingly done. I like how you said that. <laughs> and and I just it's front to back. I just I love Currents and Patience, which is the new single by Tame Impala, is the current sessions continued years later. Okay. okay. And so, I'm so it just pushes down that. So I'm I'm extremely happy with what I heard. If you haven't yet, listen to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Get back to us. Tell us if you love it as much as we do. A lot of good music. A lot, lot of good, so lot of good music. We're coming up into the summer. Yeah. Right now. It's a fun time. Yeah. So let, why don't we uh, take a quick break, and then we'll talk about some of those big things, like uh, that big show we went to. The big show. The big. The biggest of the shows. Biggest. And the big trip we took. And the big trip we took. A lot of big things we're going to be talking about. <laughs> Stick <laughs> around. Elton, Elton was fantastic. Oh my his, God. his voice is still amazing. His band was excellent, and most of the original band, which is amazing. Which I appreciate, yeah. That was he nice. had three drummers. He had three percussionists, one full, like, main drummer. A guy who did, like, half drums, half percussion. And I believe, is it Roy Cooper? Roy Cooper? I'm trying to remember the guy's name. This dude was going ham. He was amazing. He was great. He had the full percussion setup. Most of the time, because a lot of his songs are rockers, he's on he's on a tambourine. Ray Cooper. Ray Cooper. Ray Cooper. Mm-hmm. He's on he was not on all of his original stuff, but he was on a lot of the early stuff and did and, a bunch of tours with him, like yeah. like just him and, and Elton. Elton John mentioned that like they had gone through, I think through Europe for a while. Yeah, they, it where it was the just the two of them. Yeah, which was insane. And they, it was, they did a song with just the two of them that was a, like a really like throwback to, it's on, the, it's on Madman Across the Water. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indian Sunset. Yes, they that was that a, too. That was a I really think. weird, I was like, huh, that's a, that's a deep cut. That was like, a, that was like probably one of the few deep cuts they had. Mm-hmm. But he was going on tambourine for like a lot of the songs. He's just over here just really shaking <laughs> it out. Really just, and you guys can't see this, but, no, but I am. Imagine, a, like a bird was having a seizure, <laughs> but like in an but elegant in, way, but in ri- and in rhythm, an <laughs> <laughs> elegant way and in rhythm. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely worth the splurge. Um, oh, definitely worth it. He was awesome. I'm so happy I got to see him. Yeah. So tell me about Nashville, guys. We actually did a lot in Nashville. Yeah, we did. We, we, were, we were told by an Uber driver that we we hit pretty much everything that we. Oh, did you guys go to Third Man? So Pete and I, okay, so we went to Third Man, we, did, we, we went, went to the, the store. store. We went um, to the store. It is, it is really fun in there. Yeah. Um, it's cool. Isn't it neat? It's really neat. I mean, Jack White, however you feel about him, at least, you have to admit that he's creative and, and very eccentric. He knows his stuff. Just yeah. a good old time. Um, so Pete and I spent some time in the store. We spent some money on things. <laughs> I got some... Carl Sagan on on like a which was a great I also ticket. got that. Oh, did I you? Bought, I I bought it to give to Brett for his birthday, and that passed a month ago. Brett, if you're listening, it's in the mail. 
It's in the mail. Now. <laughs> when you listen to this. When you listen to it, it will definitely it will be, be in the, the mail. mail. But yes, I so that yes, I saw that record. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. There's, I mean, all of the White Stripes and Jack White mm-hmm. solo stuff's there. I liked the little book. The they had a children's book. book I almost for I can tell that we we're going to be friends. I almost bought I saw this that book. Too. Almost bought, and then I was like, for myself, that is like. I thought it was adorable. I too. said, why not? But she's like, I mm, nearly. You got to give it to a friend. The whole point of the book is that you got to give it to a friend. Because you give it to Andrew. But then I wouldn't have the book anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you see my dilemma. I understand. I, I see the do, thing. What you need is you need someone to go need, in there with you to buy, you each buy the book, then give, give it, it to each, each other. other. <laughs> there you go. Maybe with there a little note that you write it in the inside exactly. cover. Exactly. So yeah. it needs to have more meaning. Yeah. Uh, no. But, <laughs> I'm glad you get it. I no, I get what you're saying. You get it. Um... But then... But then, so they have this booth, and Andrew knows about this booth. I do. The sound booth. booth. You go in, and if it's, like, two people, not comfortably. We found we out, found if, it's out if it's two people. Interesting. I only th- I thought it only fit one. Well, <laughs> let me tell you. you two people and a guitar. Us. Okay. Two people and a guitar. It fit two people and a guitar. Um, it worked. Did, did you actually do it? Yes. Yeah, so, so but not, seri- not in seriousness. Um, Wait, but, but you, did it. But, like, so you went, like, so we're, we're, you go sorry. in and you could put in, you put in, like, what is it, $15 or something like that? So 20 bucks. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. And it, it records and it presses your recording straight, straight to, to vinyl. vinyl. Two minutes and 20 seconds. Two minutes okay. and 20 seconds. Of recording. Um, it's the only booth, so we were told, it's the only booth that uh, left that like works. this in the world yes, that works. And this is an old thing from, like, the... 20s or something like that, yeah. right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So essentially, and we'll probably um, somehow get. You know, you could have done this, this and recorded the. I'm sorry, I'm just going to cut you off for a moment. Yeah, you could have sure. recorded this and then made that the theme music for this podcast. Well, guess what we made? Because that's exactly what we that's thought. Exactly what we and did. that's exactly what we, we did. Were standing but it cost more than $10. But, but I don't it's care. Fine. It's okay. I don't care it's because between the three... Because it, was donation, we, it was a donation to the, to the cause. And, and also split between two of you, split between the three of us, that is less than $10. That does go under budget. Yeah, it is that's true. Right. So that's so for what month, we don't know. Uh, it doesn't have... It could be month? part of an... Uh, in like a, a It could be a bonus month. It doesn't have to be like a... I'm just making. I'm just because we braining. need rules for everything. Uh, <laughs> we keep ourselves focused. We're very regimented. We're, we're apparently Type A. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that about us. Um, I, that 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 contradicts my entire personality. But <laughs> we may or may not have planned most of this trip or timed most of this trip around the fact that Kurt Vile and the Violators are going to be playing at the Ryman Auditorium. We did. But we did. We what did. is the Ryman Auditorium? So the Ryman Auditorium... The Mother Church. Is, is a.k.a. the Mother Church. Praise be. Without any amplification of any kind, um, the sound in there is, 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 is like spot on. And so it is now a concert venue or performance venue and... The cool thing about it is that it looks exactly like a church still. So yes. the seats are pews, yep. wooden benches. Yep. Love it. Um, the uh, the ceiling is wood, which is crazy to me. Seems like a hazard. It seems like. But a- it also <laughs> is great for sound. Exactly. Well, which it gets was back to it was the, the original site of the it. Grand Ole Opry. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They recorded you know straight to live radio. So the acoustics had to be perfect, mm-hmm. or as close to perfect as they can get it at the time. Yeah. The Grand Ole Opry has since moved. There's, you know, Opryland and everything, but 
when you sit there, have you you haven't been to the Ryman yet? I have not been to the Mother Church. No. The, the Mother Church you just bestows so many blessings. <laughs> so many blessings. The first thing that you actually notice is right before you actually enter, there's a hallway, mm-hmm. and the hallway has all of these posters. The posters are actually made by a local print shop called Hatch Print. I've heard about this. Which is in the same area as the Country Music Hall of Fame. Yes. Mm -hmm. All of them look so cool. I mean, like, the work coming out of that print shop is, like, really... Who had posters? Foo Fighters had a poster. Bob Dylan. Elvis Elvis Costello. Costello, Bruce Springsteen. Coldplay. Shania Twain. Mm -hmm. um, George Strait. I mean, everyone you could name from every genre had a poster somewhere on that wall, signed. In the Ryman, yeah, just, it was it, so it just, cool. It just exemplifies this whole feeling I have about Nashville that everything is very man-made there, and they're very proud of that, that not a lot can be replicated anywhere else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, I mean, to have a concert venue that also kind of partners up with, like, the local print shop for the... That's yeah, the I mean, like, that's, that's pretty cool, yeah. 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 And it steps from Broadway, which, you know, not on... Not during St. Patrick's Day weekend is probably very pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was pleasant for other reasons. It was a pleasant sight to it, walk it through great. and embark on Lots that. of material. But I think the the funniest thing, and I genuinely funny thing about the Ryman was... Marissa noticed this. Right next to Marissa... <laughs> was a trail of wires leading from the soundboard all the way up at the top of the venue, going Mm -hmm. down through the seats, going all the way down the the rafters, going up, and you could like visibly follow the wires up towards the the stage. (laughs) It was great. It's a completely transparent setup. But I I really enjoyed Nashville. I I could see myself going back. I'm happy you guys had fun. I really recommend it for any Mm -hmm. listeners that have been on the fence about going, go. It's good for, I mean, we were there for, what, three days, really? I mean, then I would travel. Three so. full days. Yeah, so I think that's a good solid I was amount. there for less than 24 hours, and I enjoyed my time mm-hmm. and would have definitely uh, been interested to do more. So, yeah, I yeah. think Nashville. That's, music that's a, that's music a, City. That's high on my list. It's a good one. I'll start by talking about my $10 activities, plural, Ooh, this month. Plural. Multiple and things. You were I'll there. Fancy. I know, but I like to... Give the sense of surprise. Give, give, give the uh, give the audience something to yearn. They weren't there. <laughs> they, were, they don't know. That's true. They weren't. Marissa and I went to two very cool locations that I was able, lucky enough to be able to make my ten dollar thing combined. The first night or the second night we were there, we went to a bar on Music Row towards the end of Music Row called Losers. It's it's two bars. It's technically the Winners Bar and the Losers <laughs> Bar. We went to the Losers Bar. Uh, Why did you um, go to the losers? It's bar? very apropos, you know. The, the, the <laughs> just that 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 turn. It was very apropos. <laughs> okay, but the simple answer was that that was the it was only a joke. one. <laughs> it was the only one of the two that had any live performance there. Okay, and so that's why we went in. Sure, we saw there an artist by the name of Dallas Hendrix. Hendrix spelled like the Jimi Hendrix that we know. At the beginning, we enjoyed what he was playing. He was doing some covers. He was doing some originals. But what got us was one request by someone which we thought was completely outlandish to do a cover of Lord's Royals. Ooh. Which, first of all, you wouldn't expect as a recommendation coming out of that area, considering the great country heritage. Yeah. Now, you wouldn't think Lord is a name that's coming up to do a cover of at a bar on Music Row. Mm-hmm. But they did it. And as far as I can tell from my research, it doesn't exist online. But what we heard was impressive. We were really impressed with the way that they didn't just simply cover it, but they made it country, which 
for a song from an artist from New Zealand that is strictly pop and made it a country song is <laughs> what made me put five dollars in the tip jar. And that was my that was five half of my experience there. Okay. Yeah. But it also reminds you that this is the way that artists get recognized in this area. Nashville is the Hollywood of country music. When people say they run away to Hollywood to become actors and live out a dream, the people who wanted singers singer songwrite for country music do it there. Mm-hmm. And this is what they're doing to make their way. They are performing covers at bars, they're performing their own originals at bars, and the way you get picked up in that town is that you have a good song or you have a good songwriting ability, you write for an established artist, and then you eventually get that shot on your own. That's how artists like Marin Morris became famous. That's how artists like Chris Stapleton and Sturge Simpson and Casey Musgraves, who we talked about before, mm-hmm. you know, became famous. They would create this, you know, this baseline of a good songwriting rep- reputation write for people like Keith Urban and Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood and then make it on their own. And maybe one day we'll hear da- Dallas Hendricks as his own thing. Maybe. You know? He's got a nice. good name for it. So. It'd be yeah, nice to right. say that I you know, was able to do a $5 tip for an established country artist. So right. you never know. And then a couple nights later, at the recommendation of Jesse Gillenwalters, Marissa's interview, mm-hmm. we went to a place in, uh, it was East Nashville. Correct. In a specific area called Five Points at a bar called Five Spot where the cover was $5, hence a five spot. So so there's your $10. $10. <laughs> there's my $10. And you walk in, and it's like any any bar. Honestly, when you walk in, it's not very different than a New York bar in many ways. There was just more seating and more room. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. What a novel concept. But we saw two really cool artists there. I think they had four the whole night, but by the time we got there, there were two more. Mm-hmm. The first band was Pageant. Pageant is a five-piece group. Uh, two of the members are brother and sister. Yeah. They're the lead singers. They had a more country pop sound, but we were just really intrigued by some of their own original songs that they had. Yeah, yeah. We thought they were just really, really good, really professional, really, you know, just really... Did they have stuff online, or...? They have a few things, one of which may be playing at this moment. Starting right about Starting now. now. Just a good, cool personality. Dylan Lancaster. Oh, he was great. He's he's from Detroit, first of all. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's made his way to Nashville is pretty impressive. He told us that the record he made, which is on Spotify, was recorded in Canada. He had, as one of his backing band members, a slide guitar. Oh, it Love was. Love a good slide guitar. It was delightful. It was like a therapeutic sound that you need in Nashville. Yeah, it was great. But his sarcasm is probably the best thing. He's the first thing that, you know, he was engaging with the audience a little bit. The first thing he said is, my name is Dylan Lancaster. I'm here to bum you out. (laughs) You know what? I enjoy that honesty because that that's what you need. From a, the, my favorite country music is the type that bums me out, and so, oh and so he was on the money.
I say it was like it was like it was like a Tom Petty, but like mixed with like yes. a, a Connor Oberus yes. or something. Like, yeah, it was it was. Yeah, okay. that's a perfect description. Yeah, and just, fact, just give it a listen. You'll R I Y L Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Bright Eyes, <laughs> basically. And the fact that two artists that we were impressed with at one spot, five spot, mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm. both playing that night. I think just shows that there's a real quality of undiscovered talent in Nashville. It's it's mm-hmm. all it's really there, and it's a different sound than you get in New York. In New York, we're very accustomed to an indie, a punk sound, even sometimes a little bit more electronic sound. You know, sounds that kind of you know were born of this area, of the city, yeah. Yeah. yeah, of the city, made of the city. But in Nashville. There's yeah. so many musicians kind of yeah. passing through, too, in Nashville. Yeah. So you really do get the whole spectrum, which is yeah. it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And so I think it was great that we were able to you know, hit a lot of local spots. I think it was really great that we got the recommendation from Jesse. Yes. Because the five spot I was really impressed with. There's just so many places to hear music. It's, it's yeah. impossible to not... You know, find somewhere f- for music in Nashville. Well, you're selling me on it to go back, so well, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll go. go back. Maybe we'll all go I back. We'll, all take a we'll do another trip. Those, that was my ten dollars stuff. There you go. Bravo, Peter. Yes, oh. yeah, I I like what you uh I, I like it. It's you got to see a bunch of different artists in that too, and with a lot of variety. Uh, let's continue to Marissa, who also is yes. in Nashville and had our first interview. I'm so excited in the about podcast it. history. Yes. So for my thing this month, um, I sat down with Jesse Gillenwalters to do our first interview uh, for this podcast. He is um, a musician who we know from uh, from our time in Binghamton. He's originally from Binghamton, New York, currently in Nashville. Uh, he has a band called Basic Printer. And so to ca- make this interview count for the podcast, I spent $10 on his CD called Good Weird, which he released last year. I was nearly the a drummer for him. Really, were you? Uh, when he when we first came to school, I guess it was like mm-hmm. my sophomore year or whatever. He was like looking for somebody to like form a full band with, and yeah. I auditioned with one of his like I auditioned like he played. Here's the song called Poor Ian from like maybe mm-hmm. like ten albums ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ten albums. Yeah, and I remember like <laughs> playing that song, and I didn't we like it didn't end up working, but I remember like. Right. Yeah, I remember, like, auditioning to, like, be his drummer. That's so funny. You know, and we, and we kind of talk about it in the interview, too. I mean, we go over all, in, in, in the, you know, we'll play it, obviously. Yeah. But, um, you know, in addition to kind of talking about what he's currently up to, we kind of, we also touch on just the, the fact that we know his stuff from, from earlier on, which would be, if, you know, a few years now of, you know, when he was playing shows in Binghamton and, and kind of how his sound has kind of evolved and, um... It was it was really it was a really good time to, to sit and, and catch up with him. Uh, I know we we mentioned it in the interview, but just in case we want to add it again to the podcast bit that we're recording here, um, if you want to learn more about his music, you can go to his website. He has a whole breakdown of the new album and everything that inspired each and every track, even his gear, <laughs> um, which is pretty interesting. And uh, that website is basicprinter.com. So B A S I C. P-R-I-N-T-E-R dot com. We're here with Jesse Gillen Walters in Nashville, mm-hmm. talking to him about music, uh, his various endeavors, and just, you know, get inside the mind. So Jesse is a basic printer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe if you want to give our listeners just an intro about, you know, what your band is like or... Yeah. <laughs> so it's... Sound? I guess it's technically... A solo project. Okay. Like, I write everything 
lately it's been more there's been more hands on the wheel but it's like always since its inception it's been like my songs like I'm recording them in my room producing them by myself and, and whatnot um so it's kind of like a solo project and that it all, all starts with me and it's like very much about like the songs are about me and and, mm-hmm. and whatever since I've been here the live situation has been this has involved a lot more people I call it a uh, synth pop but it's pretty like adjacent to that I guess <laughs> it's kind of there's like a rocky element there's a lot of experimentalism mm-hmm. um and like yeah it's like the live show is definitely like a full like full band experience and how long have you been in nashville three and a half years i think is accurate for our listeners we know jesse from our days at uh, binghamton yep. so we know him from you know when you were doing shows up upstate so i guess mm-hmm. how do you feel that like your sound has kind of evolved since since then i mean we're familiar because we we've heard your old stuff and uh-huh. we've heard your new Damn. stuff um hold up is that a hard question no that's easy <laughs> easy question but i'm supremely intrigued because not many people know old stuff now mm. so when you say old stuff are you talking about like I guess, what are you thinking of when you I'm say... I'm thinking of when you were performing with, like, a mask. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that mask, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, you know? Um, uh-huh. It was definitely, when it started out, it was super... Not super, but, like, there was definitely, like, a lo-fi slant on it, and, um, like, not no fear in terms of being pretty strange or, like, outlandish. And... <laughs> Yeah, and just kind of, like, ugly about things and, like, the mask. And, like, I don't even really... Thinking back, it was, like, I don't even really know what I was doing. I felt, I think it was, like, a front of, like, being afraid mm-hmm. of playing. You know what I mean? Because as a musician, like, even if you're a very amateurish, like, just starting out musician, like, you need to perform. And, like, performing is going to have its own growth phase. Like, you're not just going to be comfortable. So I guess there is kind of this weird, oh, like... just happen like puberty that happens or something (laughs) when you start playing but um so yeah so i guess you know the music was like this rattier uglier kind of thing and the shows were like somewhat reflected that and like now it's way different like moving here i mean in binghamton it was hard to get a band that made sense to play like that music Mm. in a way that was like yeah we're doing this in a way that's effective but nashville it's like there's no question like everyone is so good like everyone knows someone who knows someone Mm -hmm. that can do some specific thing like if i need someone to play like like for example aaron like aaron plays a very specific role like he can do drums and keyboard at the same time or Mm -hmm. keyboard or guitar bit like whatever so just being here and like knowing that was available and knowing like oh i can do all of this like synth stuff in like a very full way has made the show more, like, legitimate, I guess. Since moving here, you've, uh, you've released a new album mm-hmm. called Good Weird. Mm-hmm. So I guess I was just kind of curious if you can kind of explain what that process was like, but how long did it take you to put the album together, I guess, if you had it? Yeah. I was just curious about how long. It was, like, a year, I guess. Wow. I didn't have much of a plan... Again, it was like, 
I started writing these songs thinking it was gonna be one thing, and then I wrote a bunch of other songs about other things, and then I was like, I guess I have a record. I wasn't like, it's time to write a record, you know? <laughs> so I wrote the first tune. Yeah, I wrote the first of those songs in August of 2017, and then I released the record um, in Nashville in August. I did like a release show here mm-hmm. before I was on Spotify. That's the other thing. It's like the release doesn't have to be like, it's everywhere. Like, if you don't buy it, then I've lost. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there could be, a, there's like a number of ways someone wants to experience it. So. Um, but yeah, take about a year, I guess. kind of musicality 
into this very like sentimental indie thing that I'm doing. Interesting. So that was like being here, being around that was like, oh, I should like really try to make this super effective, I guess. So going into this record, I was thinking about being very conscious of that. And like the first like half of the record was what I had made and I thought I was going to continue this kind of like funk upbeat direction. But then it was almost like, it was almost like that was, um, I don't know what you call it, but like, it was almost like they, they only lasted so long before it was like, no, you gotta do this, like, right. this emotive kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And that was like, the second half of the record was like, basically this build up of like, I guess, emotions I was ignoring in this pursuit of more like, music for music's sake. Mm-hmm. And so the second half is like, extra long and extra emotive and like, I was surprised to have like discovered that in the making of it. So then the record is kind of like two sided, um, where the you know the, the second half are like these more quote unquote emo songs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and your take on emo, which right. is a very interesting take. Yeah, on emo. yeah. In um, listening to to that album, uh, I don't know. I, I just really appreciate how vulnerable like you get. Cool. Um, and I think it's scary for people to do that with their music yeah. so I was just kind of curious that was kind of my thought behind the question you know like yeah. if you had intended for it to be s- such a vulnerable kind of self-exploration yeah um but I think it's pretty cool that it just kind of ended up turning out that way yeah. yeah I know I mean I agree and it's almost like I it's this weird like challenge I give myself to be more and more and more and more vulnerable Mm. it's weird it's like it's it's this weird game I play with myself where it's like the next song you have to write has to be like super revealing and like it has to make you uncomfortable Mm. I don't and I don't like I don't know I'm not necessarily like obsessed with that I'm not like necessarily but it's just i don't know it, like it's i guess it's like a runner's high or something it's like mm. like just being like blase vulnerable doesn't do it for me anymore right it has to have I mean? a purpose <laughs> yeah i think like writing a song that's like super vulnerable is like what gives me like mm-hmm. a fire about the song what does that do to your songwriting process does that make it take longer because you have to get through those emotions again because like, I was curious because yeah. I because Marissa was reading me the emails from each song once we got to the yeah. B side yeah. I noticed like you were hitting some heavy stuff <laughs> yeah. you were yeah. no and it was cool I loved hearing it Definitely. but I'm just, at the same time I'm thinking like if I were in your shoes it would take me it, takes it would take me a decent amount of time to get to that moment again feel that yeah translate that mm-hmm. and then get away from that to get back to another experience or emotion so what did like what was that like this is a great question. It's like <laughs> I I don't really know. It's in in terms of the process with like where emotions come into play with with tunes. It's like I think part of why I'm able to do it because I've had people be like, "You don't give a," f-. and I'm like, I don't really see it that way. I'm not like trying to like this isn't like a power move or something. <laughs> it's like I. When I make music, it's like, I don't know, it's like writing in a journal or whatever. I'm not thinking about, like, who's going to hear this or, like, what is this going to be or, like, why. I just, like, do it. And then if it turns out to be something like that, 
like vulnerable or like alarming even and I almost like don't I just I don't feel compelled to reduce it you know what I mean so like I'm just like this is what it is and it's gonna be what it's gonna be so I guess what I'm trying to say is like in terms of processing and whatnot um I think it all kind of gets out of my system in that like initial moment of like the first layer I put down or you know the first vocal take I put down it's like all right like you can't turn back so like that's just that and I'm not necessarily like listening back and like wincing and like you know it's like it's it's almost like that's what I gotta do that's almost like the final moment of progress from it it's like if if something has been bothering me for like year from years ago it's like that moment is when it's like reconciled that's your, that's your therapy and, yeah and like and then for example like singing these songs now for like the however manyth time right. it just doesn't even mean anything anymore to me you know what I mean like I'm not like bring it, like the tears don't come back or like you <laughs> know all of that's already come out just when you lay down the track and then that's it yeah and yeah. and it's just a weird like there's nothing like singing a like like spouting off this thing in front of like sometimes hundreds of people over and over and over like you just have like if you're doing that you've conquered that feeling right. you know and so it just becomes like I'm like desensitized to mm. I don't know that those the subjects of the songs now I guess I mean that makes sense though but what I really thought was interesting was you know in reading kind of the stories behind most of the tracks I was just kind of like oh I can relate to this <laughs> like, you know oh and, good you yeah. know and I think so you know I think that's a, it's a really interesting I don't know it's just like a really interesting way that plays out I think because like you're not intending for it to if it is impactful or if it does you know make people uncomfortable you know make people kind of deal with their own things mm-hmm. that's cool you know but it's not what you're intending necessarily but, yeah, yeah agree yeah. it's like it, it takes on its own kind of thing so mm-hmm. Yeah, like, if nothing else, you're opening, you're pulling back this curtain for someone that could use that story that's, like, no one is really giving them, and, and another artist is probably not giving them. Do you ever have come, people come up to you after the show and say, hey, you, you know, you helped me in that moment? Like, I was feeling that, and, you know, you connected with me on that. Um, not so much at shows, but definitely, like, in emails and mm-hmm. stuff like that, there have been a lot of like deep conversations with strangers that have ensued from oh, that's really the tunes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, it is cool. So I always find it super interesting. I follow you on Facebook. I signed up for the emails. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you. I'm familiar. You know, so I was just kind of curious how you thought about the process for promoting your latest, this last record, yeah. you know, and, and how you came up with this kind of more immersive experience. Mm-hmm. And so where, where did that all that kind of stem from? Well, it's like, I was thinking about like, how can you in, in this realm of music right now, where it's like, everyone believes that it's just streaming. Like that's what they believe, but that's not why, like the stream isn't the thing that people care about like consumers of music you know what I mean like I was just thinking about why do people like music and it's like it's not it's hard to explain because it's it's exists among many like corporeal things like many physical things it's not like mm-hmm. you know people care about 
you know, shoes because they they are a thing that serves a specific purpose, and it's like, that's it. That's what a shoe is. <laughs> right. But, like, music is the concert, is, like, resulting conversations, is hearing it at a JCPenney, is streaming it deliberately, is finding it, like, right. is, a per, you know, someone else covering it. Like, it's... You can't, it's not really... It's hard to pin down why people buy into music. And it's like, people think... I think... You know, people were, like, don't talk about CDs anymore um, because they're missing the point of, like, it's not the CD or the shirt or whatever. It's, like, it's anything that you're that you're grabbing onto to, like, emblematically associate with this feeling that music gives you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, basically, I was looking at it from that and being, like, why would I just, like, put it on Spotify and then be, like, it's out? You know? <laughs> Like, that we're done here. Yeah, yeah like that's what everyone Check does. Check it off my list. Yeah, and then it's like if if it doesn't if it doesn't respond great or whatever or like like crazy, then they're like, well, I just have to hope the next record I put out in a year is like a lightning rod. Like, and so I was looking at it like that. Like, no, it's like very much a long form. Like, music doesn't go bad. Like, the release doesn't have to be three days long. It doesn't have to be like, it's out, and you post about it, like, right, there's no expiration date on this. Yeah, yeah so, right. like, anyone that stumbles into my stuff, it's gonna be, like, new to them, and they're gonna have that same experience of, like, it being released to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about how could, basically, like, I was thinking about these individual people, like, finding me, and it was like, how could you basically release this record, make it feel like you were releasing this record to someone and taking them through this journey of, like, finding that emotional, like, cozy place that they're looking for in, like, their favorite band. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's where, why I kind of went this route. So you have two Mm -hmm. albums, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess my question was kind of, like, in in taking this approach with the second album and, like, kind of promoting it the way that you did, Mm -hmm. what has kind of been your biggest takeaway in in that process? Like, do you feel like the, um, like, the feedback has been positive what you expected or what would you have done differently yeah it's well it's definitely been positive um and i think people like the first half a lot more (laughs) (laughs) like on average average. but then the thing about is kind of on the same vein like it's not really even i mean I get warm responses from the people who have gone through the experience and, you know, and then I've talked to, it's like, they're happy to be there and like have them having gone through that experience. It's like, they're there for it. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, in terms of how's it been received, it's like, it's more, has it been received? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm like kind of looking for it to just be received. And and for me, because, that's a win. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. And, and that is not to say like just have people hearing it or like streaming it. It's like have people entering this experience and then whether or not they're like crazy about the music or not, like they emerge from it being like that was cool and like I, you know what I mean? Like this is now, like I know more about myself and you. Mm-hmm. And it's like and again because it's not really so much about the music itself. 
The music is like this flag post for like a feeling. What are some of your big plans coming up? Any any tours? Any anything on the horizon for the rest of twenty nineteen? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm recording a new record. It's super sad, so I don't think anyone will like it. <laughs> well, don't go into it with that no. attitude. <laughs> no, people are gonna like it for sure. And it's again, it's not about like you find people who like it. Mm-hmm. Like that's you're my job. You know what I mean? It's not so much like make a the perfect record. It's make like you know make a solid record and then find people who like it. But it's more like the second half of, of Good Weird, I guess, is why I make that joke. Well, can you tell us about what that album might sound like? Right. Well, okay, so this this ex- this album launch experience thing I mm-hmm. did, like you were talking about, each day you sign up and then each, you know, for eight days you get one of the songs with all of this, like, explanation surrounding it and, like, live versions and acoustic versions or whatever else. And in doing that, it's like woken me up to like okay now whenever i do a record like i'm seeing that as a potential like you know or, or rather the likely delivery mechanism of the record so i'm thinking about like now when i'm writing music i'm thinking like okay what story is going to come to me this in like the email experience or so you're thinking about the whole concept of the experience itself yeah yeah like i'm thinking about the record, obviously, in terms of a musical concept and the lyrical content and whatnot. But I'm also thinking about, okay, like, when this is released and, like, people are receiving this, and, like, all these songs are going to have stories attached to them, most likely, because I'll probably do this again. And, you know, I'm hanging on to all these, like, preliminary, like, drafts of things to, like, explain that further as well. But it's also, like I was saying, it's brought this, like vulnerability challenge to like a new level and everything i'm writing about lately is so oh my gosh it's so like raw Mm -hmm. i mean and like i'm getting to a point where i'm like i'm gonna do this but like i'm pretty scared (laughs) like i'm scared for like because there's gonna be someone that i'm not thinking about who's gonna hear this and like wonder something and potentially like ask me like so what was it and I'm gonna be like oh no I have to explain this right (laughs) because it's pretty I mean this next record is like I don't know the name of the game is like how inward can I get here what's your favorite piece of equipment you have here oh yeah Mm. got quite the collection yeah damn I wonder (laughs) lately it's this so this is the what I've most recently what is it acquired is it it's a <laughs> for our listeners for, right 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's a Roland Juno 106 synthesizer it's like I guess a pretty iconic synth from like the 80s um that a lot of people use now because it's like very trusty it's like mm-hmm. for an old piece of equipment it like holds up really well and uh it's kind of easy to maintain but the sound is like very notable and it's been fun to mess with you use it a lot on good weird no i didn't have it actually for oh, good oh. Didn't. <laughs> but everything else you see here i think was on good weird in some fashion or another yeah 
I think so. But this is like inspiring a lot of the new songs. Cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a lot of people work this way, but th- that's like kind of how I write songs. It's like mm-hmm. I consult an, an instrument, which is I think why I like having so many because certain instruments are like kind of asking to be they're asking they ask different ideas of you you know what I mean so like you know it it sounds obvious but like you don't think about it until you're like facing it but like if you were playing a trumpet like you're gonna write a melody on a trumpet way differently than you're gonna write a melody on a uh, guitar right you know so it's like and that's why I like synthesizers because they're just so many different sounds so like you'll dial in one sound and it'll have you like reacting to the sound in a totally different way Mm -hmm. than another sound so like whenever you need inspiration you can just like find a new sound and see how you like physically respond to it uh so let's do some ctas yes i guess so um for folks who want to learn more about you and stay up to date on what you're up to what is the best way to stay in the know best way to stay in the know is just to go to basicprinter.com and then click the first button you see That'll take you through that album launch ex- experience thing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, my website has everything you could ever want to know. But I think that's the best first step for anyone. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. Jesse, thank you so much for sitting down with us and hosting us for a few hours here yeah. in Nashville. It's been awesome hanging out with you again. Mm-hmm. And we'll keep an eye out for all the new stuff coming yeah. our way. Cool. Yeah, we'll have you back on soon. Thank you so much. Thanks. <laughs> Want more from Andrew, Pete, and Marissa? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MusicUnsubPod. Welcome back to Music Unsubscribed. It's time to talk about what I did with my $10. And I didn't spend it all this time. Wow. Uh, That was not on purpose, actually, uh, as, you know, it was last time. Right. I only spent $7. Um, So this was, I had gone down to Atlanta for work, and I had initially hoped to go down there. Again, and Mm -hmm. uh, spend my money at a local record store, but I did not have time because I was working. So, (laughs) what pesky thing I know, right? The thing we have to do. But what I did do instead is uh, while doing some research on some of the artists from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction that is happening this Friday, every March I usually listen to all the artists that are being inducted and their discographies and rank them and see how they compare and how they're involved. Seven artists that were inducted, I was listening to some of those records, and one of the artists I was most impressed by in that lot is Janet Jackson. Ooh. Uh, I was listening to her discography and her album Control, which is her third album that came out in 86. It is essentially her stepping away from her father's control over her career, uh, stepping away from being part of the Jackson 5, the Jacksons, away from Michael. It is a nine-album track. It is usually not described as her best work. Uh, I think Rhythm Nation is, Mm -hmm. but it is a jam. It is nine (laughs) tracks, almost, I want to say all of them could be hits. It is on par with Thriller. Wow. It is on par with Thriller, I thought it was amazing, so I wanted to go buy it. So I searched around record stores in New York. I could not just find a copy that was available at the Cheap Cheap um, (laughs) for the podcast. So I took to uh, a different marketplace. There are several 
internet online marketplaces for vinyl. And so I took a look on there uh, just to see. Mm-hmm. And I found a copy in very in very VG plus copy, which is very, very good, good. Very good condition. Plus, plus condition. Plus. What's beyond very good? I don't I know. Think What's near mint. Wow. I think near mint or mint. Wow. So like hasn't been opened. For two dollars. Nice. So I found that what and a I all steal. I know, right? So I found a copy of that. Um, so I found it on a, a website called discogs.com. Okay. Uh, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. So they're on I've usually used them for just looking up different records, interesting, you know, singles or whatever. Uh, but I found it on there, and I also found from the same seller a copy of a Pete Townsend solo album, which I haven't put too much effort into his solo music uh, before. I've been listening to—I had been listening to a podcast called Discography uh, by the Consequence of Sound Network, mm-hmm. uh, which Consequence of Sound is a blog that I follow a lot for my music news. They talk a lot about The Who and about uh, some of the Pete Townsend's music— uh, solo music, and so I figured I'd give it a shot. It was only ninety nine cents. Ninety nine cents. It was ninety nine cents for it, and it was like very good plus again. So I was like, awesome. Oh. So you've only spent a total of three dollars rounded up, plus five dollars shipping. Oh, which brings me to seven ninety nine. But I couldn't find okay. any other, and I would have bought more, but there weren't any other records that were in my that I was like that I could get that were like in good condition. Interesting. So you have an extra two dollars to spend in a future month. Yeah, so I actually just took a look with the including I'm up to like five dollars that I have in reserve. You got a balance you got like a I've got like a I've got a growing balance at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Uh that will go towards something in the future. And it'll go to something good, I promise. This isn't just me saving money. I, I promise I'm going to use it for something that is worth it. The anticipation is Oh, it's killing, killing me. me. So <laughs> So anyway, so I bought these two. Al- I bought these two albums. I got them. I actually put in the order as of recording last Wednesday, which is about six days ago. Uh, one of the things that I found while doing this is actually they didn't end up processing the payment until yesterday. It took them four days to process the the payment. That's unusual. And it's three to eight days business days to ship. So mm-hmm. I won't actually. I don't actually have these records yet. Mm. This is one of the only issues, and part of that's just because I had a plan for what I was going to do and then didn't get to do it, so I didn't have it in time for But you've made the payment. I've made the payment. That's what matters. The the payment's been made. In the future, I guess in the next podcast, I'll do a quick update about, like, how they sound. Yeah, I think that's perfect. But I think um, it's interesting to remember that that market... Like the online marketplace. Yeah. So I've heard of, it was a Discogs. Discogs. D-S, D-S, D-I-S-C-O-G-S. So yeah, I see, like, I've heard of it, but I didn't realize it was, like, a, a a market. Like, I thought it was, to your point, like, more, like, look up. Yeah. More, you know, like, Yeah, I, and I thought I'd try it out, and I was looking, because I was looking for something very specific, and I was trying mm-hmm. to keep it on the DL, or on the DC, down cost. <laughs> the down cost. We'll call it that. The down cost. Like but it. you know, I wanted to to try out something different, and it was it was cool. Uh, to talk for a brief moment about Janet Jackson again, please. Mm-hmm. The record is amazing. Like I said, it's like on par with Thriller. It is in a different style though. It is closer to if you took Thriller and then. Through a New Jack Swing. So I don't know if you guys know New Jack Swing style. No. It's like that style that was overplayed by 1990. It was like most black artists eventually went into New Jack Swing. It had this like... 
bouncy rhythm thing, and it's it's kind of like hip, but like you're hearing it now, and it's definitely not hip. But like you're, but like you maybe your dad thought it was hip. <laughs> um, it was produced by I don't know if you so it was produced by her. After this, her longtime producers, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, mm. who were members of a Minneapolis band called The Time that were known probably mainly from being in the Prince circle. They toured with Prince. Oh. They were in uh, per- the Purple Rain movie. And apparently when they did the album, it was they, like Joe Jackson, uh, Janet Jackson's and Michael Jackson's father was yeah. like, just don't make her sound like Prince. And they didn't, but they did. But they did. Ing- they did create a new genre called New Jack Swing, which every black artist after that, like for the next like five to seven years, tried to emulate. With the exception of, like, maybe one part, like, maybe a couple of Prince songs, a couple of Michael songs, and all of Janet sounds great. But, like, every other, like, I've seen, like, The Temptations did it at some point when they got into the 90s, and you're like, why are you doing this? You're The Temptations. Like, you're from the 60s. Like, stick to your Motown thing. It's, anyway, I'm getting off topic. But. (laughs) I love, I love it, though. Well, but let me ask you this. Since Janet's going to the Rock Hall, as you mentioned. Yeah. Do you think a lot of her induction has to do with this new jack swing no you think it has more to do with what's made her popular like i her think part of it is music. part of it's i think what made her popular i have a few thoughts on this so looking at this year's inductees there are seven inductees this is two more than the usual typically it's in the last at least 10 years or so it's usually about five maybe six uh depending on the year but there are seven artists this year and they followed a very typical pattern that they'd usually do uh, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, for the last three or so years. And I'm, I'm going to name all these artists. Uh, so the people that are being inducted, uh, as, as probably are inducted by the time you hear this, are The Cure, Def Leppard, Janet Jackson, Stevie Nicks, Radiohead, Roxy Music, and The Zombies. I have just listened to all of their discographies as of today or by the time you've heard this. <laughs> I have thoughts on whether or not some of these people really belong here. Ooh. I have sh- I have hot takes. Oh, here we go. Hot take. So I wanna, I'm want i going to go through in the order that I just said them. The Cure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to say fine. Yeah. Uh, they've been around for a while. They've got a bunch of great hits. They are probably the only artist in the goth rock era that kind of is in this. They did have a whole spawn of Music that follows them. They've got jams. Friday, I'm in love. Yes. Show, you know, so I'm into it. Yeah, they should be it. Just like heaven? Yeah, they should be in it. I'm into it. Cool. Def Leppard. This is actually one that I have some issue with, but I'm also okay with. 
I'm a big fan of some of their some of their songs. They're they were all on classic rock, Hysteria, uh, Animal, uh, Photograph. You know, these are good. These are good songs. Sure. Yeah. They got great songs. Yeah. They pour some sugar on me. I don't know why I didn't say that one. That's, <laughs> that's the song. That's the that's the signature. Yeah. This follows a. This is now a three year thing that they've gone on, which is they pull an art out an artist from thirty years ago. That like your dad or like was super into that was super big thirty years ago, and they're like, well, of course we have to put them in. They were amazing, you know, for the glam metal era. I'm I'm pulling specifically at Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, and Journey. <laughs> All three of them got in because they were the number one pick on the fan vote. Because who's voting on the fan vote? The fan vote, by the way, for those who don't know, you can vote. You can vote, not just the elites. <laughs> There's like, I don't know, there's like 200 or so people that get to vote, and then there's like a fan vote that goes like through Rolling Stone or something like that. So like Rolling Stone Magazine. Who's reading Rolling Stone Magazine or cares about this? But our dads who listened to this music 30 years ago. So the year, yeah, it was like Def Leppard. Last year it was Bon Jovi. The year before that was Journey. And these kind of falls into that same, like the year before that, I feel like the pick was probably Chicago. Uh, for artists that were like, this is something that has to be in. Why aren't they in? But I don't necessarily feel like, I'm like, yeah, cool, great. But I don't necessarily feel like it's like they had to be in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you predict based on that who would be next? I mean, I know Guns N' Roses is in, is in already. For instance, is Foreigner in already? Yeah, is Foreigner in? Is Foreigner Stick, is, Sticks in? Like, Sticks isn't in. Foreigner's not in. I don't know if so they're the pick. <laughs> But they could be. They could be. They could be. Uh, I think that the pick could be something like, I wouldn't be surprised if something stupid like White Snake was in. Hot take. I'm calling White Snake a <laughs> stupid pick for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2020. Let the record you show. You heard it here first. That's folks. a hot take. No, I think it would be. It would be someone in that kind of era, though. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's. It's going to be someone in the glam metal for that pick. So, so who on this list is? Um, uh, you know, a pick that you weren't happy, like that you were kind of like, uh, why? Sure, I'm gonna, I'll do, I'll do that one next then. Stevie Nicks. I, I don't, I don't object really? to your opinion. No, really. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I want to lay this out for the fan who just turned this off, including my mom. <laughs> I, I want to say this, mom, mom. I'm speaking directly to you, mom. Oh my god. You know I love, I love Fleetwood Mac. I love Stevie Nicks. She's a great singer. She's got great songs. Incredible songs. Songs that belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Fleetwood Mac. Her music with, like, on her own. Her solo stuff. Her solo stuff. She has one amazing album, Belladonna. Mm -hmm. Her first one. The one that has Stop Stop, uh, Dragging My Heart Around. Right. Edge of 17. Belladonna. After that, it's kind of like she's in between... Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. and busy being on cocaine, so, and her and her voice starts to sh- starts to deteriorate, deteriorate quickly. And while her songs are still good, and I've, as I listen to her entire discography, the songs that I like in her later discography are ones that she wrote twenty years ago with with Buckingham. Right. I think it's interesting because um, to your to your point, I feel like she is. M- most uh she was most impactful when she was with Fleetwood Mac. So if you're going to yeah. be I mean and then she's already in the Rock Hall of Fame 
for that. One thing that's kind of cool is she will be the first female inducted twice. I wanted to ask you that. Does she mm-hmm. deserve to be the first female? No, she does twice? not. If the Runaways got in, which they aren't in, and they should be, Joan Wait, Jett the would be. Runaways aren't in? I don't think so. That's Because Joan Jett's in. Right. So if Joan Jett's not in, if Joan Jett is in, then... Like the runaways aren't because otherwise she would have been the she first. would have been the first and I think she should have been the see, first. See, I feel I'm with you on that. Like I think if it was, I would have much preferred John Jett to be the first. Drats. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> the thing I think as cool as the rock hole is, I think we're just now in another conversation we've had pointing out there are a lot of gaps. Yeah. In the rock hole, yeah. there's a lot of you know plaques that should be filled. I think who is it? Pearl Jam did a really kind of subtle dig at the rock hole where didn't Jeff Amon wear a, he wore a shirt, shirt that had all, all the, bands the bands that influenced them that were, that not, were not in the rock hole I'm sure that some yeah. of the bands and that are in here now actually I'm sure that Roxy Music was on was on that list Roxy Music was probably there but it's it's a sentiment shared by a lot of artists who get in where they say we don't feel this is deserved because there are so many artists that we consider influences that should be here yeah, yeah. like why are we here and either A they're not at all or B they're not here yet like they were here after us yeah so no, I get that. As an, as much of an honor as it is, and I think it's great that Janet Jackson's included because I think that expands the rock hole's idea of what makes a rock and roll artist, yeah, and just a, a big artist in general. It it kind of begs these questions that we're bringing up right now, like where is artist A, B, and C? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what's what's with this order? Why are yeah. why are thirty year old glam glam rock artists? You know, <laughs> yeah, like why are the poisons of the group getting in? Yeah, yeah. poison. <laughs> that poison. that's the one who gets in next year. Yeah, right. that's, that's that's the, the artist. One? By the way, that's that's not White Snake. It's not White Snake. <laughs> White Snake's not the no poison. I would give more credence to uh, than White Snake. But anyway, so just to take a jump, I, we just said Roxy Music. Roxy, Roxy Music is super influential. I see why they're in. They influence. They were at the same time as like Bowie glam. Mm-hmm. They influenced the glam metal that came that like pushed you know uh, like. Guns N' Roses in. Like, they are part of the David Bowie. Like, they should have been in a long time ago. That That's that's set, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, the next two. So I'm going to do the zombies first. The zombies were from the 60s. This is one that kind of fits in another theme that they've done, which is, hey, people liked this band. They should have been in for a while ago because we let all these other bands in. Let's, like, let them in now, finally. Like an oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. Exactly. Yeah, okay. oh, so last way. year's was the Moody Blues. Ah, Theirs yes. was, oh, by the way, that's right. They were a big band 40 years ago. Yeah. Right. Well, we should let them in. Or 50 years ago. Um, I think the one before that was maybe Yes or ELO. The one before that was, like, Deep Purple. Right. And it was, like, Deep Purple got in in... 2016, they were eligible at the same time as... Um, yeah, which is crazy. Like, like, not the who. They would have been eligible in, like, 2000 or something like that. It's like, it's... A, or earlier. It's just crazy. I mean, it definitely is. There is some... It's very arbitrary. But I feel also kind of weird about it, because they get you get to a point where it's like, at what point does it matter? Like, yeah. don't even bother. Because, like, they have two albums. They have good songs. But, like, if you really take a look at their two-album discography... Two album discography. It fits on a single CD. I love how annoyed you're getting. It bothers right me because I listen to it in an I listen to it in less than an hour, and there are great songs. But if the you're gonna, hand gestures, uh, folks, it's just please. it bothers me that like if you're gonna throw an oh by the way, like it just feels like oh we well, I guess we should. It doesn't feel yeah. genuine. 
Well, I think, as opposed I think, to like I think some you're of the hitting other on the team. head though. I think I think the problem with this is uh, like as as a as a music fan, I'm paying attention to what goes on with like all these award shows and these rock like you know all the Hall of Fames. Like I'm paying attention to it, but I'm also kind of like I know I know a lot of it is just kind of like I don't know like vapid. Like, yeah, we're throwing like, like yeah, not, we're like, throwing in an ocean. This should have happened 15 years ago, so yeah. we're going to do it now. It kind of feels like the Def Leppard one where it's like, right. or we should have done that 10 years ago, but we're going to do it now. Yeah, like it's not indicative of, of, of really anything. No. I, uh, which, but it's still like a high honor. I don't know. Yeah. It's like a weird. It is. It's like, it's, like it's a, a weird, weird in thing. between. Like it's an honor, but also like, does it really matter? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one that's on here is Radiohead. Radiohead, this is the first year they're eligible. Mm-hmm. This is something they've been doing recently, or not recently, they've been doing it for a while where like, Someone of deep importance, like Nirvana, was at, was nominated in their first year. Yeah. Grandmaster Flash, I think, was nominated in, in his first year. I'm like looking. Uh, Green Day was like close. I think Pearl Jam was the was like the year after or maybe the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think they they nominated them in nine. Were yeah, I think they were nominated in their first year of eligibility. Where, like, they're like, hey, this is... I think they did the same thing for, like, some other alternative bands, like Chili Peppers and R.E.M., where it's like, yeah, you're important. Like, you have pushed rock, and if you look back at their career, this has been... Like, it makes sense that you should be the first of your group to be... You should be the first of of your uh, peers to be in. And... And I don't do really. Have, do you feel like it is? I mean, yeah, they're. Yeah. I mean, they're. They're great. I think. I mean, like, just thinking of like the cultural impact that Radiohead yeah. has had. And if you yeah, think about absolutely. each of their albums, everyone mm-hmm. continuously sh- pushes something mm-hmm. from like The Benz to OK Computer to like even the new one. Mm-hmm. The new one's amazing. Yeah, I haven't heard it in a while, but. But okay, so that is my my tiny rant on <laughs> uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, tune in next year when I <laughs> when my hypothesis is come true. I think we've honestly named like the next rock calls for this. I think, yeah. we're, I think that's, that's it. true. We so, just but, call us up and ask. But yeah, but anyway, so uh, Discogs. I'll let you guys know uh, how it goes if they come in and if they play right and if every if they yeah, are trustworthy and stuff. Too. I'm excited. I yeah. like they because they give you quality notes and so I think it should work. Yeah, I'm curious. To see what your experience is like as a consumer on that yeah, uh, and marketplace. If, if I do that, we can uh, maybe that'll maybe the online market uh, vinyl store might be a thing for the future for me. Here we go. Oh, I like it. All right. This is Music Unsubscribed. I'm Peter. I'm Andrew. I'm Marissa. Thanks for listening with us. Let's do a quick recap of what we all did. I, in Nashville with Marissa, saw a artist, Dallas Hendricks, at the Losers Bar, and at the Five Spot, saw two great artists, Pageant and Dylan Lancaster. Um, I sat down to uh, do our first interview uh, for this podcast with uh, Jesse Gillenwalters of Basic Printer. And I bought a Pete Townsend and Janet Jackson record from Discogs.com, an online vinyl marketplace. And remember, you can always listen to us on Anchor. We also have a Twitter and Instagram. At Music Unsubpod. So please follow us for more updates as we are recording more episodes. Uh, The next episode, episode four, will come out in late April. But again, for Music Unsubscribed, my name is Peter. My name is Andrew. I'm Marissa. Thank you for listening.